well, prison, more or less. Uh, out in uh, Vienna, Austria, he and his family, as he made mention last week, uh, set their sights on the old U.S. of A. They have arrived safely and enjoying some time here in the old North State with their family. He'll be coming this way in a couple of weeks. Yael, it's always a pleasure, and welcome back uh, to the U.S. of A. Uh, I hope uh, you're doing well here this morning on uh, local time. Yeah, doing great, Joe. The one thing I don't miss about the South, though, are those mosquitoes. So good to know there are solutions out there. I love it. And that's, uh, of course, our friends over at Bugno Pest Control who, who deliver those uh, great services to Wilmingtonians and all across the Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah, I got a little chuckle from you the other day when you were navigating the grocery store aisles and you post something on Facebook, you know, still blown away by the number of different string cheese options at the grocery store and of course you know your lovely hard seltzers uh, meaning the you know seltzers with a little bit of extra juice in it for you know you adults out there over the age of uh, 21 safely and responsibly what a beautiful country flooding with bountiful consumer choice uh, you're saying that they only have one brand of string cheese in vienna uh, pretty much across <laughs> Europe. You go to the grocery store, you're only going to find you know one or two brands of any product. But here I can find 18 different types of mayonnaise. I got 67 different types <laughs> of barbecue sauce. I love it. I know people like Bernie Sanders say, we got too much. We got too much deodorant. But I think it's great. Everybody's got exactly what they want and need, their particular flavor or taste. That stuff just doesn't exist in other parts of the world. And even a small anecdote, my parents, when they moved from Canada to North Carolina, they said very much the same thing. So, you know, going into the North Carolina grocery store, the Winn-Dixie at the time, or Walmart or whatever, seeing all the different brands, it's just really amazing to see that there's such a, a diverse market out there. And we really do have a lot of choices. It's hard to realize at the end of the day because so many of us are fatigued and frustrated and go through the grind of the nine to five uh, but there we have, you know, a small slice of heaven there at your grocery store. You can get those eight different types of uh, string cheese if you want, the hard seltzers. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't think a lot of people realize, Joe, and uh, that really is thanks to great innovative companies that are delivering great products. Well, and I think uh, you, know, you nailed that, uh, the head on the nail there in that, uh, you know, you made mention of us spoiled, lazy Americans and how we take so much for granted. Uh, well, you know, uh, could you imagine a little Sophia just having uh, one option for her string cheese? I mean, uh, you know, you have to buy the correct uh, product when it comes to her. She takes her string cheese very seriously, Yael, and oftentimes dad isn't privy to all of the insider knowledge that mom has, and she'll look at me as she goes into the refrigerator to pull it out of the bottom drawer, and what's this? And she says it in Italian with her hands moving in a weird way. Uh, what a three-year-old I have at home. <laughs> yeah, that, that's called uh, the economic term is asymmetrical knowledge. And uh, yeah, sometimes dads are quite lacking in that. But uh, sometimes we're able to catch up and, and at least understand what those preferences are. And I'm a big fan of your hard seltzers, too. I don't know about the choice that you had, uh, you know, in the grocery cart the other day. I'm more of a competitor of theirs in which you had. And I'm, not, of course, not giving any, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, word to them because uh, you know they don't pay to be on our show so i'm not going to you know uh, promote a product that i'm not getting compensated for i mean why would i do that this is america right <laughs> uh very true they're very true i know you'd swap it out for a blue shark vodka or any of these other drinks <laughs> but uh yeah it's just amazing to see because a lot of the regulations on alcohol 
you know, in the beginning, we would not have had this revolution. We've talked about craft beer in North Carolina, Joe, and just the different options. And there's a lot of people lobbying to make sure that those local breweries don't open. There's a lot of people lobbying to make sure that those local breweries can't get their products out on the grocery store shelves. So there's a lot of this that's in the background. And I think a lot of us don't realize that. I'm in tune to that. I know you're in tune to that. For a lot of your listeners, you know, just so you know, there are a lot of rules out there that exist that are trying to prohibit your choice. A lot of it does stem from Raleigh and uh, the ABC system and store, which is a whole other tale. But uh, it's good to see at least that uh, the things have modernized a bit and we're able to enjoy these various products. Now, Yella, I love nothing more than when we highlight and cover a story and then the very next week, you know, we get the other side. And last Friday, I can recall you and I were talking about, well, an effort across the country and around the world to take away some of the, you know, intellectual property rights that private businesses have in our country for the betterment of the world, right? And of mankind, at least that's the the pitch being made uh, by uh, Joe Biden and his administration. You told us uh, last week uh, that it would be a big mistake if, in fact, uh, you know, we forced our private companies to hand over, I'll call it the recipes, so to speak, uh, to other countries around the world as it relates to the COVID vaccine. The Biden administration, I guess, did not take your advice uh, as uh, part of the piece that you put forward uh, over at the Consumer Choice Center. And it is, in fact, now the Biden administration backing this waiver of intellectual property protection for the covid vaccines. Why is this uh, moving in the wrong direction? Well, if you'll permit me a southernism now that I'm back home, I mean, he just done did it and a huge mistake. And why is it so problematic you know, there are various ways to look at it. I think it's it's a very complex subject for a lot of people. Believe me, I was uh, trying to pitch my op-eds on this around the country and didn't find much success because they were like, well, why should we care about this? And then, of course, it's New York Times front page, and now we're all talking about it, but hey, let's get into it. Big deal here is about intellectual property and vaccines, innovative medicines. The entire point is that many other countries in the world do not yet have vaccines. They're surely not near U.S. levels of vaccinations, which are very high. And a lot of people are sitting around scratching their heads thinking, "Okay, how can we improve this? Uh, There are ways to do so. But many people have put all their eggs in the basket of, well, let's just get rid of the patents because that's really what's stopping people. And that's absolutely false. Because there are companies like Moderna, which a lot of people have received in the U.S., they released their intellectual property of their own volition throughout the course of the pandemic, and they make a very complicated vaccine. Theirs, just like the Pfizer one, is an mRNA, super new technology, totally experimental, but it has worked. And there's just no idle vaccine factories waiting around the world that can produce this stuff, that have the knowledge, the know-how, that know how to store it in these super cold freezers. It just doesn't exist. And that's why this is a wrong-headed approach. What this does is it nullifies patents and it creates a precedent. So if anyone who's listening and have, has a creative product, they have some copyright or trademark on a particular thing, you know, who knows at the there could be a huge ruling at the Global World Trade Organization that rules that your patent isn't valid anymore. And that's what's happening. And it's bad for innovation, all the research and development that goes into putting these drugs together and getting all of that knowledge. Yeah, you need to figure out how you're going to pay for that in the end. We can't just set up a system you know, in the pandemic era where everyone gets a bailout by the government. 
We need private businesses to have profits. They need to have some certainty from the legal system that they can actually bring those products to market, product to profit from them, and then invest in other things. And that's what's so problematic about this. And the second one is a point made by Bill Gates, uh, now who's lost half his fortune, unfortunately. It's another point. But you have this, this notion of all of these vaccine patents then being opened. You know, what's to say that anyone is going to be able to produce this safely right. and in a way that won't detriment vaccine hesitancy? If we talked about six or eight people who had blood clots because of Johnson & Johnson, imagine what will happen when you have a botched vaccine in India that kills 200,000 people because of something they cooked up in the factory. These places do not have the capability all these companies have been searching for partners. They've signed some in places like South Africa and Australia, many other countries. But doing away with the IP rights is really just symbolism. It's the latest from the Biden administration, do everything for show. And on the back end, a lot of people are going to get hurt. And that's pretty unfortunate. When we talk about intellectual property and you know, giving our secrets away in a sort of you know, way to frame this conversation, there are efforts by many adversaries around the world to, to in fact, crack the code and get you know, certain things and to grab certain recipes from businesses. I think of the construction industry, given the last hour we've been talking all about construction. There's been efforts by folks like China for a long, long time to you know, steal these rights and then flood our market to, to the detriment of American companies and American consumers in that you're getting less of a product quality-wise, uh, you know, yeah, at a cheaper price, uh, and, of course, the consumer is going to opt for the cheaper option, but ultimately th they have to go back to the store one, two, three, four, five different times to get what they need. Same goes for, you know, business owners, contractors, and all sorts of other things. You know, this does not just relate to, you know, intellectual property in the terms of uh, the COVID vaccine. Uh, this is a conversation that's been going on a long time in protecting, you know, our American businesses. Oh, and anyone knows it. If they've gone to Amazon and picked up a Bobo pair of AirPods or, you know, some other product that is essentially deconstructed from a patent in uh, China that Apple gave them, uh, the quality is terrible. It's not, it's not, it doesn't uh, work as well as the actual product made by the company. And, you know, it's not just the apples and the vaccine makers, as you mentioned. You know, it's all the small products. And there are actually a good number of North Carolina entrepreneurs who do partner with production facilities in China. And unfortunately, in order to do so, they have to sign away some of their IP rights. They have to join a local company. Um, and every board in China, in the co Chinese Communist uh, Party state, has a CCP member military member or civilian who's on the board of directors. So they have had direct access to that. And it is something that does put consumers at risk. I mean, just all the stuff with fentanyl, I know that Mark Markley uh, discusses that on his program, Recovering Hope on the Big Talker. There's huge issues that come with all of these things that are done essentially in the black market, taking intellectual property, repurposing it, retooling it, reusing it. Uh, there's a reason that these rights exist. It's something that's granted to us actually in the Constitution. Uh, they actually do have provisions in there on trademarks and copyrights. And it's something that's very foundational. You know, what is the point in spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars doing research, coming up with designs, working with all your buddies that you know to put some great product out there, only to have those same blueprints and design ripped off by someone who's in Xinjiang? 
that's very problematic and it definitely hurts consumers because it means we're getting subpar products. We're not getting what we thought we were. And uh, it, in fact, it impacts a lot more than just our health. And I, I think that's something that the Biden administration definitely has uh, not supported uh, great American innovators with this move. It's just another thing we can put on the, the baddie list for the Biden administration and uh, hopefully something that people will remember uh, the next time we go to the polls. Well, with that said, you know, we, we also talk a, a lot about incentive in our country. And we're hearing you know, today a jobs report came out, you know, lower than expected job numbers for the month of April. And uh, the whole conversation surrounding uh, the unemployment benefits, the extension, the little bump uh, that the federal government has given to the states uh, to provide uh, these additional uh, monies uh, to folks who had been out of work for one reason or the other for the better part of the past year. We hear certain states are now uh, replacing or working to drop uh, the federal aid to replace it with uh, you know new incentives uh, including uh, return-to-work bonuses. Uh, the state of Montana, the freedom-loving state of South Carolina, also moving forward with these uh, you know, ideas to help people you know, fill the jobs. Because uh, you go to any you know, area around the country, there's help-wanted signs everywhere. How about incentives for our private businesses? You know, what incentive do they have the next time there is a pandemic or an unknown virus spread across the, the country and around the world? You know, impacting our economy in so many ways. What incentive do these private companies have to work with the government if they're just going to go and sell their secrets uh, once uh, you know we hit uh, the capacity limit here in our country? Yeah, there's so much that people ask of government every couple of years when we go vote, and politicians are often on our airwaves, or you know they're trying to meet us in the local shops and restaurants when they're open. Uh, but the things that really we need from government is we need a protection of our liberties, and part of our liberties include the right to innovate, the right to be in the free market and try to deliver products. And when they don't protect us, and when they're just ready and willing to wave away those rights, that's incredibly problematic, and it doesn't give much confidence. Joe, it hasn't been as bad here in the United States uh, when it comes to uh, the shutdowns. I know it has been very tough for a lot of people. Many people did lose their jobs, lost a lot of income. Um, at least where I was in Austria, you know, the restaurants are only opening in two weeks. And because of that, the government created this huge fund where they're just sloshing billions of dollars to restaurateurs, to people who own hotels. It's just not sustainable. It just means that if you are working and you're paying taxes, you're basically subsidizing those other people who are not allowed to work. And none of those people want to be receiving those benefits. Nobody wants to be necessarily on the, the government trough. Nobody wants to do that. People want to be in the market. They want to provide their products. They want to provide for their family. And it creates all the worst incentives ever. And I think that's what's going to be so warping of this. I know uh, the Biden administration is big on saying, hey, we're going to have 6% growth. Well, um, yeah, of course, when, we, when the economy is down 9%, because everything is closed, of course you're going to have a bounce back. Uh, if we actually had better regulations, if we had good clarity from the public health officials who are leading us astray, those numbers could be even higher. And I think that's where it's really a, a lost opportunity. I'm still very optimistic and hopeful. I know that we can get out of this and we can pump out great products, great services, people delivering value to each and every person. But at some point, we got to realize that especially what's happening in, in D.C. and some state capitals is actually being more problematic to our recovery than anything else.
Yael, I know that you and I you know, uh, have uh, been made sick to our stomach over the past uh, couple of years in your coverage of the World Health Organization, of course, and uh, you know the misguided uh, viewpoints that they have had, uh, which you know made them very ill prepared uh, to handle you know a pandemic of this uh, sort of magnitude. Instead, focusing on things like uh, you know uh, regulating e-cigarettes or you know. Uh, Big gulp uh, type of uh, soda products, uh, sugary sodas around the world, thanks to a uh, you know, massive investment made by Michael Bloomberg into the World Health Organization. Well, our agency that oversees this sort of stuff here in uh, the country, in the United States, uh, not much better. I mean, the nation gripped with a public health crisis, but apparently uh, the bureaucrats over at the FDA think uh, that we really ought to be focusing right now is uh, the ban on menthol-flavored cigarettes. I think that's uh, atop the agenda for, for many in the country right now, right? Yeah, and I, I, this is really just another <laughs> mind-boggling thing. You think they have more to do you know, up there at the FDA, and I've testified there, and I've tried to give my advice and opinion, and uh, sometimes it falls on deaf ears. But what, what they're doing with the menthol ban... Essentially, it's it's looking at the cigarette market, tobacco market. We know that there are higher sales, sales of menthol products, particularly among African-Americans, and they're using that wedge of social justice to try to make a point and to try to talk about public health. But really, all this means is that we're going to weaponize the government, the state, and we're going to create a black market, and all that's going to do is invite way more racial strife. It's going to just create all these terrible circumstances where police have to intervene in certain circumstances. And if you thought George Floyd was bad, this could be a lot worse. We don't need to have more laws that criminalize more things, uh, particularly when people are just peacefully trying to buy products. There are people. Oh, looks like we not really trying to huck down the guy who's got a Newport. I think that's very <laughs> problematic. And uh, at least for for consumers, I mean, it's it's just patronizing once again, being told that we can't have this flavor or that flavor. We went through it with the vape ban. Now it's coming to menthol cigarettes. Uh, there's there's a lot of racial issues here that really I, I don't understand why they they went so hard on this. And there are a, a good amount of African American community leaders who also recognize that. Because the more that we criminalize everything in our society, particularly individual products, the more that we invite uh, terrible interactions between our great police and citizens. And I, I don't think that's what we want. Uh, not surprised to see the Biden administration take a terrible decision here. Uh, we're going to try to keep keep pushing, Joe. There's there's a lot of work to be done, but we're trying to trying to lobby, trying to advocate, and trying to represent a lot of uh, people who will definitely be impacted by this. Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center. You can hear Yael and his tag team partner, David Clement, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m., their latest edition of the Consumer Choice Radio Show here on the Big Talker FM. Check out his work at ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice. Yael, welcome back to the country, North Carolina, and we look forward to catching up again next week. Land of the free, home of the brave. Thank you, Joe. That's our friend Yael Asowski with the Consumer Choice Center. Great to have him as a friend of the program. He'll be down in our neck of the woods in just a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that trip back here to the coast. Our friends over at the Consumer Choice Center, once again, every Friday, just after 930 here on the Big Talker FM.